Hi, this is Justin. Question for you. What is the weaker brother? If you have spent any time in evangelicalism, you have no doubt heard the weaker brother discussed. But what is Paul talking about when he uses that language? We're going to go there today in the regular episode. We're going to talk also about Christian liberty. And is Christian liberty really about don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, don't go with girls that do? Or is it actually about something far greater and something much more wonderful? We're going to talk about that too. And then in the members episode, we're going to talk about how we would go about setting someone free when their conscience is improperly bound. We hope that this conversation is helpful to you. We hope it's encouraging. Stay tuned. If you'd like to help support Theocast, you can do that by leaving us a review on iTunes and subscribing on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Plus, we have a Facebook group if you'd like to join the conversation there. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Theocast, encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Our hosts today in the same geographic location are John Moffat, sitting to my left, your right if you're watching on video. He's the pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. And I'm Justin Perdue, lead pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We have met today to podcast, to talk all things Theocast and other exciting things that will be revealed in due time. We are sitting in Knoxville, Tennessee at Albright Grove Brewing Company for the second time in about three months. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, in front of a live audience. In front of a live audience (laughs) of like four people. And guys that we sort of roped into coming with us for the day. That's right. I don't know if we're going to do roll call right now or not. But yeah, this has been a good day so far. We're kind of winding the day down before we all depart and head home, and we're going to record a podcast, and so we hope it's encouraging for people. Yeah. No, I I mean, I publicly just want to thank them. Uh, Justin and I, we're very passionate about Theocast, but we often want to bring in other people that we think can add to the ministry and to the conversation, and so we've been doing this since like 8 o'clock this morning. So it's been um, it's been good. Left the crib a little earlier than that, amen. We left at five a.m. So yeah, it's been a mo- it's been a morning. You know that Central Time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> which means we're gonna get home early before you. And so you guys, you guys will beat us home. So true. Yeah. Even though your drive is further, go figure that one that's out. That's right. Yeah. So JP, today's a pretty important, uh, important, important conversation, and I think that we are going to make a lot of people uncomfortable. Potentially Maybe. make make some people angry, not purposely. Not, it's yeah, not, not, not our to. not our goal and the real point of the podcast is i think to liberate some people from some bondage and burdens they've been carrying so that they can be more meek and patient and kind yeah so what is the subject when it's already in the title of the podcast but we're uh, not very good at not giving things away (laughs) with our titles hey uh, bring us in first of all tell us why this conversation is important Sure. And, uh, and and why why we're having and it this today. conversation is important, even though it took us a while to figure out what we were going to talk about today. <laughs> uh, as we sat here with these other brothers, and we're just you know ideas are just popcorning around. Yeah, they could talk about that. Could talk about that. Um, yeah, but we landed on talking about something that I do think, and you agree, is very important for us to discuss, and that is the topic of Christian liberty at a high level but then also trying to say some hopefully helpful and biblical things about the weaker brother and what the weaker brother is, what the weaker brother is not. And the goal of this conversation is, as always, to encourage people in Christ and to remove clutter 
that's often thrown on top of the gospel. And in particular, right now, we would be talking about clutter that's thrown on top of the gospel in the form of hyper heavy handed, like, what can I do? What can I do kind of conversations? And um, I think the way that I would want to kick this conversation off, John, is by thinking about what Christian liberty has meant to the saints Mm. who lived before, like, let's say the middle of the 19th century. Yeah. Because the last 150 years or so, the conversation about Christian liberty is often reduced to matters of conscience. Mm. What is it okay for me to do? What should I avoid doing? You know, the whole like, don't drink, don't smoke, don't chew, and don't go with girls that do conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And that's a tendency, I think, that exists in evangelicalism, or there is a tendency, I should say, to obsess over behavior. It's just something that we do, right? Yeah, I agree. And I think we need to say before we go any further that Christian liberty starts with something that is so much deeper, so much greater, so much more wonderful than how we behave, (laughs) right? It starts with the fact that we have been set free by Christ and in Christ. That's right. We are no longer chained to this life of sin because of what Jesus has done. We are no longer paralyzed by fear of death and fear of the grave. Mm -hmm. He's delivered us from that. We are no longer in bondage to Satan and forces of evil. We're no longer under the bondage and condemnation of the law. That's right. Christ has set us free from all of that stuff. And that's what saints have always meant when they start to talk about Christian liberty. We are free from all of that stuff and free unto righteousness. Mm -hmm. We are free to live before God with a clear conscience, knowing that we've been reconciled to him through what Christ has done. And so now I don't need to worry and wig out all the time about how I'm doing yeah, because I'm actually free. And Christ has settled that and handled that for me. That's right. Right. So like we would be remiss if we don't start there. Yeah, that's that's good. Christian liberty is one of those subjects. It's like grace. Uh, When you start emphasizing the joy of, of God and grace, and people immediately want to warn you, oh, yeah, yes, there's grace, but, you know. There's always the yeah, but. Yeah, yeah. faith yeah. without works is, you know, is dead. So there's there's works. Yeah, there's grace, but there's there's works. So when you talk about Christian liberty, uh, what's the first thing that you immediately feel? In a word being used as liberation, you mm-hmm. feel bondage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're talking about something that supposedly is about freedom, but instead it sounds like slavery. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, descri- you yeah. just got done describing Christian liberty. And I'm more in bondage now That's than right. I was before you described right. it. And yeah. yet you're telling me I'm free. Right. Um, because what they yeah. say is, you know, you are free from sin, not to sin. And so they want to always emphasize you are free from sin, not to sin. And which is true. And, and, it, and, and I completely agree. But if we're talking about Christian liberty, the conversation should lead someone to feel cared for, affectionate, and and ultimately should find rest because Word. if you've been liberated by something and we're now titling it Christian liberty, mm. it should have that, that exhale of, of like, oh, fi- like finally. Yeah, it should the finally. And, and the feeling actually of a burden lifted, right. not a burden added to my shoulders. R- right. But when right. I hear Christian liberty talked about, it is a burden. It, it, yeah. and, and this is what I mean by it is I don't know at what I don't know where I have been liberated from because I might step on somebody's theological and I would say preference where I am now not at liberty mm-hmm. to say, think, or do something because this person's conscience is bound by it. And if their conscience is bound by it, yeah. then I must too be bound by it. Yeah. 
So liberty is only as strong as the loudest voice in the room. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Couple of things. Talk a little bit of Bible here, really quick. I'm not yeah. going to quote chapter and verse so much, yeah. but for the listener, the main passages that we would refer you to if you want to read about some of these things that we're discussing today: Romans 14, mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 8, mm-hmm. 1 Corinthians 10, like 23 and following. And if I could, I'm going to offer just a few high level summary thoughts about those like chapters and verses and those sections of scripture and what they contain. So one high level thought about the Bible's clear teaching on this topic. Only God and God's word can bind the conscience. That's right. All right. So one, two, we are to love one another and seek hey, one another. I'm good. sorry. Can we just back up? I think you need to explain what yeah. we need to explain. Bind the conscience. Meaning what do well, you I'll, mean? I'll explain. That's fine. Okay. Cool. Like in terms of, yeah, like this, this is, this is. No, okay. we're on podcast. Go ahead. Don't, okay. Don't back out. Go for it. Okay. I thought you meant edit. No, no, no. Not edit. Go for so it. So welcome to Theocast. This is our <laughs> professional and polished By the way, if you've ever wondered if we edit. We, unlike <laughs> most other podcasts out there, this is pretty much a, a first take. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I say, welcome. It's good to have you. Hope you're encouraged so far and not incredibly distracted. So <laughs> only God and only God's word can bind the conscience. By that, I mean only God and what he has revealed specifically in his word can tell any human being what he or she cannot do or what he or she must do. Right. So let me put it this way. Uh, Only God can determine what should make you feel guilty for and what you should not feel guilty for. Sure. That's kind of our, how we feel. Right. So binding the conscience, meaning it's, that's the only thing that can say you step outside that you should feel guilty. Like if God, if God says we are to do something or if God says we are not to do something, we are obligated to do as he says. That's right. But bound. what any human being thinks on his or her own doesn't matter. That's right. Right. So God only can bind the conscience. We'll give second, some. We'll give some yeah. passages to explain. Second that big high level truth is that we are to love one another and seek one another's good. So this is going to be huge because I'm I'm not trying to steal even my own thunder or yours either, John. But there is something that governs our exercise of our freedom, and it's called our love for each other. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Third big truth. There are weaker brothers and weaker sisters who must be considered, and we're going to define what that means. What is the weaker brother? Right. And then lastly, we are not to pass judgment on each other over these issues of liberty. Yeah. I think it's a fair summary. I I would agree. Because like Paul, for example, in all of those passages, he could have, could have said, hey guys, under no circumstance ever whatsoever in any conceivable scenario, should you ever eat meat sacrificed to idols? He doesn't say that. He tells them to do something actually harder. He says, love and consider each other. That's right. Right. And we'll unpack that more. But so one of the going back to the bondage, um, Paul writes to the to, to to the church of Colossae. And as he's talking with them, you know, in the first two chapters, really chapter one, you have this explanation of the glory of Christ and who Christ is, who we are in Christ. And he uses this transition phrase. He says, therefore. If this be true, this identity, this freedom, this joy that we have in Christ, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or whether regards to a festival or new moon or Sabbath. So we need to back up and ask before we even maybe consider all this list he's giving, which I think is a general list. It's kind of like these are things that someone may pass judgment. So judgment meaning guilty verdict. You are guilty before God for doing such things. And he says, don't let someone do this, which is a, it's a very powerful statement. I think 
it sounds very much like Christian liberty. You have been set free from the burden of being found guilty where there is no judgment coming to you from God. So he says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, mm-hmm. insisting on, and then he gives a list, asceticism and worship of angels, and going in on in detail about visions and puffed up without reasons, but have uh, sensuous minds, not holding to the, not holding to the, ha, I cannot read off this computer screen at the moment. I should have brought my Bible. Mm. Not holding fast you to the said head. It, John. I know. From whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. I love how he actually ends the conversation mm-hmm. with what? The body being unified together. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, homie. Being served by our brother Dink here. So yeah. thank you, brother. Well, and even the way he goes after that, yeah, the body grows together. And then he goes on to say, why, you know, if you, in Christ, you died to elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch? That's right. You know, according to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, right. Paul is not saying just do whatever you want. No, but he is saying the exact opposite, actually. Correct. But he is saying very much so here that we ought not pass judgment on one another for you know what we're handling, what we're touching, what we're eating, what we're drinking, and we ought not assume that there is inherent merit in this. That's right. right? And that you think this this does if you live an ascetic lifestyle where you just deny yourself constantly it does have an appearance of godliness but actually in and of itself has no value well and i love right? how in the middle of it he says not only does it have value but it is disruptive to our growth as a sure. body right because he says we are holding on to christ because christ well, is the one who's liberated right. us and christ is the one who has set us free and then he says the whole body being knit together under Christ, not regulations. Right. And he is saying, if in fact Christ has done this for you, mm-hmm. if Christ has done what he's done for you, why are you acting this way? That's right. Like if Christ has done everything that we have said that Christ has done, why are we quibbling and arguing and being silly about this stuff? That's right. And thinking that what I eat or drink contributes somehow to my righteousness. That's you know? right. And I mean, I, I think at least that's in part what's in Paul's mind there. That's right. And yeah. yeah, in and out of it, I, yeah, I think what is, what's so hard for them is that, so in Jewish culture, there were certain things that were absolutely sinful for them to eat and wear and do and mark sure. on their bodies, sure. right? Underneath the regulations. Underneath the ceremonial of law. Of the ceremonial law. Right. Paul comes now and then says, you cannot be held underneath that because Christ is, the, those were but shadows of yeah. the actual and substance. Christ, Christ has, he has abrogated, he has abolished the ceremonial law. That's right. Right, now he... We, we don't need to get into a conversation about the law here, but when it comes to that aspect of God's law delivered in the old covenant, like this is no more. That's right. Because Christ, they were all, all of those ceremonial laws were pointing us to how God would make sinners righteous, how atonement was made, et cetera. And Christ has fulfilled all of that. That's right. And so it is no longer binding on the Christian. That's right. Yeah. Amen. Right. So when now I, there's, a, there's a part of it here that this goes into the Christian liberty, meaning that we have been set free from two things, the condemnation of the law right. and the requirements of the law. Sure. So we are not going to be condemned for our sins. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the Amen. liberty of the Christian. Yeah. But there's also no requirements to maintain 
um, this joke we were having earlier was there's no return policy on God's sure. adoption, right? If he right. purchased you, you can't be returned. Right. So that means that you are now set free right. to, to obey without fear. Um, Christian liberty means is that you cannot be bound by anything outside of what Christ has handed to us. You are no longer bound by the requirements of the law for righteousness because right. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. That's right. And that matters. The law, as we have said many times on this podcast, and I think it's fine to say it again, we do uphold the third use of the law, meaning the law guides our living in Christ, mm-hmm. but we are in no way under the law as a covenant of works that we must keep in order to be in right standing with God. That's right. And that matters, man. Yeah. I mean, in terms of our day-to-day and my own conscience and what I perceive about my freedom and my peace before the Lord. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I come from a, a background, I, I've mentioned this before, and I know there are listeners who let may, them know, John may come from a similar hey, background. Man. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. <laughs> uh, I come from the independent fundamental Baptist background, and there was much that was handed to me that was theologically correct and helpful. Um, I learned, I learned a lot from many of the pastors. My dad was a pastor. I learned a tremendous amount from him and, and my father-in-law, who is also a retired pastor, and I love and respect. And um, well, one of the things that there, there was a confusion between um, Christian liberty and the weaker brother, which is kind of where we're going to go here. And that confusion was, was really hard for me to navigate. How is it that if this is wrong to an individual, at what point am I set free from from them and their and I would say their confusion of what God's law says or what God, what the Bible says and my ability to participate in such actions. Um, you know, for the sake of argument, JP, we don't have to beat around the bush. I mean, you and I are drinking beers at the moment, right? For many, that is a is a very complicated conversation. Yeah, it's highly emotional, and I understand why it can be so hard for people to really stomach the fact that two pastors are drinking something that seems to be very well, offensive. And maybe if the, in the regular episode, there's time, but certainly maybe in the members area, we could talk about alcohol in particular. Right. And why there is such a stigma around it. I mean, it is the, the number American one topic. Church. I think when you're talking about Christian Liberty, this probably is yeah. one of the ones that come up. I, the top. It's certainly in the top. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I'm going to use the audience involvement here. Can you guys think of anything other than alcohol that I, becomes like at the top the level? Alcohol is at the top of Christian liberty. I mean, I think yeah. the next closest one would be media, maybe like what kind of movies you watch, what yeah. kind of entertainment you engage in, music. Like what yeah, kind of like music did you, you cancel to? Netflix? Because if you didn't, right. you don't really love Christ. That was like. But then, and then two stuff, months later, people signed back up. But like, <laughs> lest we, I mean, while we're here, I mean. You know, what, what kind of establishments we go to, what kind of food we eat, like yeah. how we think about our diet, Dress. fashion, clothing, Dress. modesty, yeah, modesty. You know, schooling for our kids. Like, is it sin to send my kids right. to public school? You know, do, right. are we required to homeschool? Is private school an option? Can we go trick or treating? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could, we could do this all day, right? There's all kinds of things. And I mean, in saying this right now, I'm like, man, it's incredible how worked up we get That's right. about this stuff that is peripheral. That's right. It's not, it is in no way central to the Christian life. No. And before anybody objects and says, well, you know, but like God is God over all things and Jesus is Lord. I, I, amen. And we need to keep the main things, the main things. That's right. You know, anyway, let's talk about the weaker brother. <laughs> all right. In terms of, I, cause this really is important in terms of like what the weaker brother is and then what the weaker brother is not. And then in relation to Christian liberty. Right. Right. So I think oftentimes the way that the weaker brother is defined is incredibly unhelpful 
So I'm going to offer a definition and then I'm going to maybe offer something that's not, not helpful. So I think the weaker brother, biblically, is a person, a real person, not a hypothetical person, but a real person in my midst with whom I have a relationship who would or you know, will be pulled back into a lifestyle of sin as a result of being exposed to something that I'm doing. Like it is a very concrete, specific situation, right? The weaker brother is not a hypothetical, like, well, there might be a person out there who might be pulled back into sin by what you're doing. It's okay, well, that, that doesn't help me. Yeah. The, because we, I'm living, we're living life, on the constant I'm living life, you know, in a in the context of a particular local church yeah. with particular groups of friends and particular relationships. Is there a weaker brother or sister in my midst with whom I have a relationship that is going to be brought into sin by what I'm doing? If the answer to that question is no, then I don't think we're talking about a biblical weaker brother situation. Can I clarify one thing too? Yeah. They may be brought into sin, but it has nothing to do sure. with you. Like in other words, if they're falling into judgmental pride, right. you know, sure. bitterness. Totally. <laughs> but then all right, let me say this. This this might sound controversial. It isn't in around this table or in this room, but some it might. The weaker brother is not like all capital letters, N-O-T, exclamation points, every place. The weaker brother is not the most sensitive conscience in the room. Because that is yeah. generally how Christians talk about it, that it's the, the weaker brother is the person who is going to be offended morally by the fact that you're drinking a beer. Yeah. When say, that is not at all no. what Paul is talking about in the New Testament, because that person being offended in his or her conscience, but not being tempted in any way or led in any direct sense into sin, Paul's word to that person who is passing judgment on you is actually stop doing that. That's right. Don't cast shade either direction would be the exhortation of the apostle. Like yeah. those who exercise our liberty, we ought not cast shade on people who don't. That's right. But then those who don't ought not cast shade in the other direction. Like if you were really godly, you wouldn't drink that beer. Yeah, your conscience yeah. can be, according to Paul, your conscience can be misled. Sure. Uh, and... And like, I just want to reiterate, John. Like, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to back go ahead. up. I, you go ahead, and then I, I'm going to quote yeah, some Bible. Okay? I grew up, How about that? I grew up in a context where um, there were people who were convinced if you use any other version of the Bible than the King James Version of the Bible. If he ain't on it, he ain't in it, amen. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you – and it was – and I'm not. This is this is real. I, I mean, people yeah. who are listening to this John, podcast it fell know. from heaven in 1611. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and we're joking about it. But I know. But I I'm know sorry. people who yeah. legitimately in rest in their conscience. They feel as if they read the ESV or the A, you know, whatever the New American Standard. That like they're they just they, it bothers them. Mm -hmm. And those are the kind of people that I can look at and yeah, say, dear brother, dear sister, I don't want to make fun of you. I don't want to bash you, but yeah. you have been bound in ways the Bible never intended you to be bound. Like you're not supposed right. to feel that burden. If you're new to Theocast, we have a free ebook available for you called Faith versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And if you've struggled with legalism, a lack of assurance, or simply want to know what it means to live by faith alone, we wrote this little book to provide a simple answer from a Reformed confessional perspective. You can get your free copy at theocast.org slash primer. Right, and, and God didn't speak, you know, old English. I mean, like, <laughs> God doesn't speak Hebrew either. I yeah. mean, it's just like, you know, he gave us his word in such a way where it could be translated. And I could, like, say, this something, is how we're I could say something even more punchy. This is how different we are than Blabbery. Islam. Well, you could. But, you know, Jesus, you know, the New Testament's recorded in Koine Greek. Well, Jesus didn't speak Greek, you know, and it's just like we could, we could go all day. Or, you know, like when people talk like that, John, talking about bondage, I mean, 
Muslims understand that Allah speaks Arabic and that like revelation can only be in that language. Hence the Quran can't be translated. We don't believe such things, you know, anyway, (laughs) back to the topic at hand. Um, Can I read the Bible now? No, is that good? No. How dare I? We're going to just give my wisdom at the moment. I can get the King James version. No, don't be ma- don't right. be messing with those Go, people, keep man. Talking. Leave them alone. Keep talking. <laughs> no. So, in all honesty, what I mean by this is that if you have a context where they convince your, it's not a preference, but it is a, it is a conscience issue that if you do something, you are violating God. Um, I would say that there are many people who grow up in Christianity and I, I music yeah, dress totally. and alcohol are one of those situations where you do not have to participate, but there is a sense by which if you feel this, you aren't, let me put it this way. You aren't the, you, you aren't the weaker brother at that moment. Uh, just because you choose not to uh, drink alcohol or maybe think alcohol is, I mean, there's, there's so many different like um, levels, right? It's like, it's sinful, it's okay, but not helpful. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it kind of goes down. Sure. I will say that if you, <laughs> if you think that drinking alcohol is sinful and that basically you have violated God and you are guilty before him, you you are, and I think, confused. Well, Scripture. I want to be a little bit punchy. Oh, man. About alcohol. And I... I really want to like read the Bible and try to edify people, but well, then read Proverbs 30, 31, five and no. six. <laughs> no, I think just a brief word, just a brief word on alcohol, like abstention from alcohol as a, thing. which is not a podcast because on alcohol. it's because it is a thing in the minds of many people. Yeah, it, to abstain from alcohol as a high watermark of righteousness is not a Christian idea. No. Now there are Muslims around the world who would say that. Yeah. Right. And so, and then, you know, Mormons will come in and shame us all because they'll tell us we're in sin for drinking coffee, you know? And it's like, if we're going to, if we're going to use as the high watermark of sanctification, the most sensitive you know, conscience, like n- abstaining from alcohol yeah. or something, it's like, I think, I think our definition of holiness is whack. I was going to say that. No, when, I agree. When like, I'm saying something that a Muslim or a Mormon could heartily agree with. Right. And it is not inherently Christian, but yet I'm elevating this to some you know, level of being like the arrival, you know, yeah. of an individual to a godly yeah. place. And can when I, they've given can up I the just jump in real quick? Know, this is yeah. like getting in the weeds a little bit, but yeah, I, I think it's okay to do. You know, people will say, well, the alcohol in the New Testament or even in the Old Testament isn't as high as... A, <laughs> Here we go, folks. Right, which is fine. And look, yeah. I, I don't want to... It doesn't matter what level the alcohol was at. Sure. Because the command to not get drunk... Yeah. was still legitimately yeah. a, 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 an option. Sure. Like they had the option to do it. This is why... Uh, well, we, even Jesus is accused of being a drunkard. And so obviously what he was drinking had alcohol in it. Right. And, and then not but, only yeah. that, uh, Paul says that the elders, you know, those sure. who are looking at the qualifications, should not be drunk with much wine, right. which is very easy to Paul for Paul to say flat out, just don't drink it. Sure. Uh, so you do have... It's it's hard to make the argumentation that like yeah I understand it's permissible but it was here's a second argument in that it was saying that well they needed it back then because you know drinking sources were were low you know water is polluted and all this kind of stuff yeah and look you are making argumentations that scripture is just not going after this Agreed. is why he says do not let them pass judgment on you what you eat or drink why do you think he mentions drink here. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you could see very well how someone could be passing judgment on, well, how is it you can, you're drinking something that could cause intoxication. Right. 
Uh, and I think it's, it's important. a slippery slope. Like if you drink too much, you're in sin. Why would you ever touch it? <laughs> right. right. Which, you know, I encourage the listener to go read a section of the Bible. You will not believe is in the Bible, but it is in the Bible. Proverbs 31, five and six. I mean, should I just read it? I mean, should I, we... I mean, why not? John? <laughs> Give the people what they want. So I, yeah, this is me being about as punchy as I want to get. But uh, this is, uh, I remember. And in about, about 60 seconds, I'll rein us back in after we've had this fun. <laughs> well, no, just listen. This is how, this is how often, not often, well, but the Bible does talk about alcohol in ways in which it's used. And in Proverbs. I've never heard a biblicist use these verses, I the never have heard a biblicist use these verses. We should do an episode on biblicism we, soon. Uh, we okay, will, good. absolutely. I've seen many times in the Bible where people use Proverbs to explain why you shouldn't drink, which I understand. Anyways, it just reads this. Uh, give strong drink. This is uh, verse six. Sorry, six and seven. I'm quoting wrong. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing in wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink, forget their misery and their poverty. Sorry, and remember their misery no more. Mm, amen. That actually, I'm not. That is like that is in the Bible. The Proverbs 31 woman, by the way, that's the prequel. Thanks that's what's be going on before. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're being a little bit loose here with this, but like so, First Corinthians 10. 24. Let no one, this is in the context of, of words Paul's writing about these issues. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Okay. Like that verse alone is incredibly helpful in thinking about Christian liberty and Christian freedom, because yeah. somebody could listen to us right now, John, and say, okay, well, you guys are contending for freedom in Christ, and you're making it clear that we're not bound by these kind of silly things that people often want to shackle us with. Okay, great. So does this mean that we would then just act however we want to act and, and do whatever we want to do? Like, just kind of like the world says, I'm just going to do me, and then everybody needs to be okay with it and celebrate it, and whatever. No. We are saying something like the apostles said, like Paul wrote, that as I alluded to earlier, is actually much more difficult than a broad sweeping prohibition could ever be. We do well as human beings with extreme positions, like go all in this way or abstain completely this way. We're good with that. But when we're told, no, actually, you are free to eat and drink as you see fit in the Lord Jesus Christ but you need to love your brothers and sisters and you need to consider one another. That's something that we just lose our minds over. That's right. And I think it's astonishing that the thing that regulates the exercise of our freedom is not some kind of heavy handed law. It is in fact, the exhortation to love your brothers. Like, Holy smokes. Like God, it's like God said that because he says it all the time, all over the new Testament, love each other. And it's what we're called to do. I, we were joking a little bit before, we hit record on this about how when we begin to discuss the fact that our good works are not ultimately for God, they are for our neighbor and God is glorified, you know, that our neighbor benefits from our good works and we are called in a pointed way to love each other. People get all kinds of nervous yeah. and they think that we're somehow trying to cheapen the glory of God or they think that somehow we're making a slide into the old liberalism, you know, the fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man. And we just need to love each other and it's all going to be great. It's not at all what we're saying. But if you are thinking about what the Christian life is characterized by and what marks a Christian, if you're going to answer that question biblically and love for the saints is not at the top of your list, you're not reading the same Bible I am. That's right. And so that, that conversation about love for one another needs to govern how we think about the exercise of our freedom. That's right. I'm going to consider who I live with, the brothers and sisters that I am in community with in particular at Covenant Baptist Church for me. And I'm going to make sure that I love and consider those people in everything that I do. That's right. Right. Including 
what I drink or what I eat or what kind of music I listen to or, you know, how I might speak or frame something. I'm not bound by some law that's going to condemn me before God, but I'm encouraged because Christ has done everything for me. Now give your life away, homie, in love (laughs) for your brothers. And it's like, this isn't complicated. No. That's what drives and motivates us. Anyway, and that's just not the tone and tenor that I hear in any of the conversations about this topic. Yeah. And that saddens me. Yeah, it does. I will say, you know, people are definitely concerned about obeying God. They are concerned about what does it mean to be holy and righteous. Which are good concerns. Right. And so I and I want to say this as I don't want this to come across as I'm patting you on the head. But there has culturally been handing to Christians a certain standard of living that isn't necessarily biblical. Thanks, man. But say hello to Patrick. He's planting it. Oh man, about Patrick to kill the podcast. Patrick McKenzie, strong work. That's right. About to plant a church here in a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, so going going back to it, my my desire for this podcast is actually to help people liberate you and in your thinking that we often feel this this bind on our own conscience where because. You know, you don't think this is biblical, and yet I can't find it in Scripture. I'm now bound to it. Uh, actually, there's two things. I've been set free to love you and not feel that. Word. But also, um, I know a lot of people who don't think drinking is a sin. Um, they're, you know, watching certain movies is a sin. There's a, there's a great um, friend of ours and deacon in our church, and he cannot watch violent movies. Like, it legitimately messes with his head. He doesn't think it's sinful, though. You know, sure. So they're, they're he just doesn't like them. right now. His yeah. wife does. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> right. Yeah, sounds about but right. the reason I mention that is that there's a, there's a there's a I'm refraining from participating because it's not beneficial for me. Right. Versus no one else should participate in this right. because it's not beneficial for me. So if it's not beneficial for me, how can it be beneficial for you? Right. And that is what we're trying to say. We need to be careful we need to be, yeah. of not making those two connections. Agree. That's a very myopic perspective. Yeah. Right? And there's I, also the, I'm going to just kind of round, round something back around. In and that, then I'm going to take us in a different direction. Right. The, yeah. the potential, um, I hear this a lot, the potential of hurting, I want to go back to the hypothetical uh, weaker sure. brother. There could be someone out there that we right. could offend. Right. Well, I will tell you that I offend people all the time um, because of things that I choose and choose not to do. But those people aren't in my church. Right. And I, I have not seen where Paul binds me to the culture that's around me, whether it's a Christian culture or not. Sure. Which is, you know, we could even talk about masks and all kinds of things like that go along with that. Which, do we really want to do that? Nope, now? we're not going to yeah, do that. So. But the point of it is, is that I have been called to the local body, yeah. and I need to be considerate and concerned about them. Yeah. And if I am going to lead someone in legitimate, what I would say, entrapped in sin, not critical, mm-hmm. not judgmental sin, they, you know, they need to be rebuked of that. But we're talking legitimate enslavement to, uh, you know, at the time, Paul does have, have mentions of, of, you know, maybe they're going to fall back into idol worship. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, when he's talking about the weaker brother and he's talking about meat offered to idols there, there's a, there's, a, there's a long, strong pole that's going on there. And so Paul's trying to be conscious of what's going on in the context. It doesn't bother him, but there could be right. there could be a pole that ends up going back into that direction. Sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, so I might put the pastor hat on for a minute. Yeah, we got Is a couple cool? minutes left, yeah. Cool. All right, so I'm even going to turn my hat around. Oh, wow. Literally. If anybody's ever seen Over the Top, old Stallone movie in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about? No. Arm wrestling movie. So like he turns his hat around anyway somebody get paul here gets it. paul got it i'm glad paul is here today although i'm doing the opposite anyway don't worry about it um 
I'm going to talk as a pastor right now. I mean, John, we say this all the time. I mean, we love Theocast and pray the Lord continues to grow this platform. And we are unashamed about being pastors first, Mm -hmm. right? So we pastor local churches. I know for our own elders at our church, and I'm sure that you guys at Grace Reform would say the same thing. I'm sure for Jimmy, even, you know, at Christ Community, his guys would say the same thing. So a few things that guide us in our thinking about these matters in our church. One, if the Bible calls something sin, we, we call it sin. That's right. It's not an option. Two, if the Bible doesn't call something sin, we will not call it sin. Not negotiable, right? Don't really care how you feel about it. The Bible says that if the Bible doesn't say it's sin, then we're not going to call it sin. And uh, this, uh, we were having a little quick dialogue yeah. beforehand. And you, what we have to clarify that because what someone may say is they will name something like, I don't know, illegal drugs or something like that. It actually fits within. It fits within a biblical paradigm. Right, because if it's illegal... Right. It's immoral. Right, because we're called to right. what? Obey the authority that we're Unless under. it does what? Contradicts Tells, scripture. Unless it contradicts scripture. Right. right. Unless, right. So, right. so almost anything can fit underneath the category right. of scripture. I mean, it, right. it, it, is, it, is, it does a broad brush. It doesn't have to literally say heroin is wrong. Correct. So then a few other things that matter here. We will not, like we said earlier about binding the conscience, we've already defined that. We will not bind consciences where the scripture doesn't. Right. That's a big deal in a local church. Next, we will not allow, this is controversial perhaps, we will not allow the conscience of a single person or a group of people, that includes the pastors, to dictate terms for the whole church. Right? So there, there won't just be this, this one person or this group of people who have really strong convictions about said issue right? that is then going to determine for the entire church how we're going to set our trajectory on this matter. It's not, not including happen. the pastor. That's what I said, including yeah. the elders. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Another thing, we will seek, right, to destroy self-righteousness that flows both directions. So I think the one direction is obvious, where people who don't participate in liberty can be in liberties and exercise freedoms can be self-righteous toward those who do. Oh, but it's ob- also true. But it's also true that those who exercise freedom and understand that they're free to do something like drink a beer can be very self-righteous about their understanding toward those who think well, that's, they that's can't. what I meant. Sorry, I, brother. Yeah, I, I mean, so it. it flows both directions, and so yeah. we want to destroy flaunting self-righteousness, your freedom, bro. Ridiculous. It's flaunting your be freedom. Be quiet. Agree. You're a, <laughs> you are being a moron and unhelpful. I mean, seriously. Which you know we could be accused of doing a podcast with a beer in a hand is flaunting a liberties, but you know. but but we're not casting shade on people no. who don't drink. I listen. I don't think only strong Christians do particular things. You know, drink wine or watch certain movies. I think if you're a weak right. Christian, then it's like oh, that's sorry. that is we're not we're not saying oh well you know you watch R rated movies you must really understand that your righteousness only comes from Christ. That's not what we're right. saying. Yeah, you could have it, foul language and drink a beer. Right. You are the truest of the free Christians. That's ridiculous. That is well, actually sinful. It is. And brief plug here, that kind of, I'm going to use the word, that kind of like lawless living where you think that the more I can just go crazy. Out of control. Out of control yeah. crazy. That is driven by the same legalistic spirit that you lambast other people for. Yeah, you're because creating a new law. You have. Yeah. Like it used to be legalism in the formal sense of the word. And now we are being legalistic in terms of who can exercise their liberty the most, man. And it is so ridiculous when right. it goes that direction anyway. And I think as a pastor, I mean, the biggest things that, that I would want to do from a culture perspective is we want to love and consider each other and we want to be charitable. We want that flowing both directions from the stronger to the weaker, as Paul would phrase yeah. it, and also from the weaker to the stronger. Yeah, I, I'd love to and, interject real quick too. Please. I, I would say just on this before we lose a thought. Yeah. Paul says that we're to consider how to build one another up. 
And if someone chooses to refrain for whatever reasons for a particular, it could be, it could be for dietary purposes. There's a thousand reasons why people may say, yeah, I'm not going to participate in that. And it's not because their conscience is bound. They're just saying, no, I just, I'm going to prefer not to. I mean, I, I have people who have family members who have horrible backgrounds in, you know, alcoholism and all kinds of other reasons and things. And, um, I never want that person to feel less than. I mean, Paul calls me to say that I am to give up my preferences. I'm to set aside. I am to make them feel loved. And so I want that person to always feel loved and cared for. And I never want them to think you're just not to the top level echelon of Christianity because once you are, that won't bother you. Mm -hmm. And that is just not helpful at all. No. Last couple of things I'll say as a pastor thinking about a culture in a local church. We would want to seek to establish a situation where we are going to all aim to love one another and legitimately consider other people as more important than ourselves. If we have that as our goal, then we we are already disarming this whole conversation before it even gets started. That's right. Because my aim is to love and edify those around me. Their aim is to love and edify those around them. We're going to be just fine. That's right. If that's what's governing us. Last thought. We all should seek to train our consciences according to God's word. And that takes work. And it takes it's, a long time. If you've grown up in a pietistic it, background. Yes. <laughs> and it takes a long time, which yeah. means what? Patience is required. Yeah. So what does this mean? We say this all the time. We always come back to the same stuff. We live with one another in love, patience, charity, meekness. humility, bearing with one another, right. meekness. Sounds like Ephesians 4 to me, yeah. right? It, yep. It's how we live together Second in the Peter. church. Yeah. Yep. And that's the way forward in this conversation. That's right. Yeah. So, know, for the benefit of all. Yeah. I would like to, in the members' com, uh, podcast, by the way, we're going to be announcing some changes here pretty soon. So stay tuned. I feel to like that. we say that every week. People are probably like, okay, guys. When well, we we're still waiting for the rest of the money to flow in so we can actually pull the trigger. We're waiting on that. for those seed gifts to come in. That's right. <laughs> yeah. If you want God to bless you, right. don't give to Theocast. Yeah. <laughs> Commit to giving us seven dollars a week for forty-two weeks, and then oh, yeah, there you, go. you know, forty days, forty days. All right, we're not going to go there. Um, what if you one, you know, your conscience is bound, but you know how to get free from it, or how do you help someone become free from? And let's just remove, um, let's remove alcohol for the moment. We're talking about particular Christian actions, things they should do or shouldn't do, places they should and shouldn't go. I mean, I think some people's conscience are bound by particular religious actions. I'm just going to say this, how often you particularly uh, read a book or not, mm. a.k.a. your Bible. Sure. Uh, there's a, there, your conscience can be bound by many things that basically says, unless you do this, you're, you're in sin. Right. When the Bible never says that that is sinful. Right. You are binding the conscience in such a way. So how do we set people free from that is the conversation I really want to talk about. In the members Sounds podcast. like a good conversation. <laughs> I don't know that I have anything else to add to set that up. Hopefully we'll, uh, yeah, we'll be able to do that there. I if they want to listen to the members podcast, how would they do that? That's a great question. Yeah, Bob. ba-boom. Ba-boom. It's like we've done this before. Very <laughs> professional. So yeah, if we uh, are going to have a conversation worth listening to, that's yet to be determined. But if you would like to see how this conversation goes about Christian liberty and things that John has talked about, how to set people free from this kind of bondage in their thinking, we may talk a little bit more specifically about alcohol. 
Maybe you're thinking, I would love to hear John and Justin riff on that a little bit. You can do that by going to our website, theocast.org, and you can find more information there about our membership. The name of that is Soon to Change. That's right. I want to tell you, we're just going to keep saying that every week until it actually does. It's more about what you're giving than what you're getting. So true. You're not purchasing a good. This is not a commodity that you're buying. You're partnering with a ministry. You're partnering with a movement to spread this message of message, the message of rest in Christ and the sufficiency of Christ for sinners like us. He is our only hope in righteousness. That's right. Amen. Amen. We'll talk with a number of you over in the members area, and we will talk with all of you, we hope, again next week.